Welcome to our MSology podcast, Disease Activity and Progression Matter. I'm Stephen Matters, editor of MSology. The program has received unrestricted funding from Novartis Pharmaceuticals Canada. In this episode, we're going to talk about disease progression and why that matters. To discuss this topic, we're very happy to welcome back to our podcast, Dr. Paul Giacomini, Director of the MS Clinic at the Montreal Neurological Institute in Montreal, Quebec. Dr. Giacomini, welcome back. Hi, Stephen. It's good to be with you again. Now, in our earlier episode, we talked about disease activity in MS, so relapses and lesions on MRI. That's just part of the story. Another part is disability progression. So if you were to tell a patient that their MS was progressing, what would you mean by that? So that's, that's an excellent question, Stephen. Um, so, you know, most patients who have MS have the form that's called relapsing remitting, uh, in which they start off with a biology that has relapses, so periods of having new attacks or, or new symptomatic episodes. And then they have a period of, of quiescence clinically where, you know, things may appear stable. But over time, in most circumstances, that gives way to what we call the secondary progressive phase of MS. This is a period where the, the frequency of relapses diminishes, but patients experience a gradual insidious worsening or progression that happens over time. There's also another more uh, rare form of MS. I mean, it's not to say that it's it's unheard of rare, but it accounts for probably about 10% of MS patients, and it's called primary progressive MS. And this is um, a form of MS that doesn't have those symptomatic attacks or relapses, and patients have this, this so slow, gradual worsening um, from onset of the disease. So when we speak about MS progressing, typically what we're meaning is that there's this gradual decline in function uh, independent of those MS attacks or, or relapses. Um, and, and the way I sort of describe it to my patients is that, you know, when you have an acute onset relapse or an attack, you generally know exactly when that happened. So patients will come and say, oh, I had an attack. It happened, you know, on March 30th. I woke up, my arm was numb or whatnot. When patients are progressing, they'll notice a difference between their function today and their function a year ago. But they won't be able to tell you exactly when it happened because it's sort of something that's happening gradually on a very, very slow scale. Um, but you can see the difference over six to 12 months. So when we see patients in the clinic, oftentimes we may notice some subtle differences in their function, um, but they themselves may not know exactly when that happened because it's been slowly happening over time. Now, we were talking before in the earlier episode about inflammatory activity, uh, relapses, and so on. Uh, is this, this progression, is this a different biological process, or is it the same kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So um, it seems to be a different biological process, but um, it's probably at least in some way related to the relapses. So without getting too technical on the immunology and neurobiology of this, the relapses are really driven by these, you know, waves of inflammatory cells entering the brain. And the, the thinking is that with these waves of inflammatory cells entering the brain over and over again, over the course of, you know, 10 to 15 years, what happens is that there's a certain amount of inflammation that takes hold within the central nervous system. 
uh, sort of not as, as profound, but more of a grumbling, smoldering inflammation. And it's not enough to give you those lesions that you see on the MRI, but it does lead to what we call neurodegeneration. So a sort of slow injury to, to the neurons and the oligodendrocytes and a lot of the other supporting cells. And over time, this neurodegeneration is what's responsible for that progression that patients experience clinically in, in MS. So I guess you can say there's a different biological process underpinning the progression. But the good news is the relapses are probably influential on that neurodegeneration and that progression happening. And so what we've done over the years in MS since recognizing this is that we've been as aggressive as we can be or trying to be as aggressive as we can be early on because the hope is that if we can suppress new MRI activity, uh, clinical relapses, and, and you know, keep the amount of these inflammatory cells entering the brain, hopefully we can delay uh, or, or stave off, ideally, the development of the later progressive phase of multiple sclerosis. So the inflammatory phase is, in a sense, like a fuse. You're lighting a fuse that you'd like to put out. That, would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. So, you know, it's these inflammatory waves that essentially set the stage later on to, to allow this slow progression uh, from taking hold. So, you know, the better we do at preventing relapses and inflammatory activity early, hopefully we can delay and kick that can down the road and, and, and maybe ideally halt or at least delay until much later, this progressive biology that's going to lead to the progressive phase uh, of, of MS. Now, uh, perhaps you can clarify something for me, which is uh, a person may, may have one or two symptoms and maybe they end up with a, a couple more symptoms and they may think to themselves that they're progressing. Is that progression or is that worsening? How do you differentiate those two? Uh, so it's a very good question, and um, and this is where you know I think that close communication between doctor and patient is is so critical um, because you really want to essentially identify is this a new MS symptom? Um, is this an MS symptom that's related to a relapse, or is this a other symptom uh, that that has no relationship necessarily? You know. To, to MS that, that could also just be contributing to a worsening of someone's function. So, so let me give you an example. So if someone is having, um, you know, new leg weakness, for instance, uh, is this something that is due to an old relapse that, uh, you know, from time to time when someone's tired, that leg becomes a bit heavier or a bit stiffer? Because that would be less concerning. And if it gets better with rest, that, that usually is going to be uh, evidence of, uh, you know, just some, some residual sequelae of a previous attack that hasn't fully healed that you just may notice more when you're tired or, or you know, after you've done a, a long walk or whatnot. So that, to me, wouldn't necessarily indicate, indicate progression. Uh, if you have a slow, gradual worsening in your ability to walk, so let's say patient comes into my clinic and says, you know what, doc, when I was walking my dog last year, 
I could go for 25 minutes and we would walk, you know, four kilometers all around the, the woods near my home. And, you know, in the last year, I've, I've had a hard time walking more than 10 minutes with my dog. You know, at two kilometers, I'm really tired. Uh, my feet are numb. My leg is dragging. That, to me, is a much more telling uh, story and indicating progression. So, again, like, this is a new symptom. This is not tied to an old relapse. And, you know, the patient hasn't been able to identify when exactly this happened, but they notice that there's an overall change in their function in the last year. And the last thing to really differentiate is to make sure that this is not related to an, you know, an unrelated process. So, for instance, you know, someone say, oh, I'm having a lot of difficulty walking more than five minutes, but, you know, you you question them a bit more and it turns out they turned their ankle uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, stepping on a crack in the sidewalk and so they have a, a you know swollen ankle and probably have a sprain and there's pain there and so that's what's actually uh, affecting their walking it's not necessarily the ms it's it's a completely unrelated um so you know neither a relapse nor progression it's an unrelated injury so this is why we have to really kind of tease this out to determine you know is this true progression is this just older symptoms that act up from time to time when we're tired, or is this something completely unrelated that's kind of a bit of a confounder for their function? So, so, so to give a, a sports analogy, let's say somebody had a football injury and 20 years later uh, it's raining and their knee aches. Uh, that's not a new damage. It's not a new injury. Um, so that would be more, that, that would be kind of the, the worsening, the worsening symptom uh, whereas if they suddenly can't run the 100-yard dash, that would be more of a progression indicator. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to carry your – it's a good analogy. And to carry it a bit forward, I, I would say, you know, the football analogy is perfect, right? Um, but if their if they're time on r- running a, you know, five-kilometer run uh, goes from, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes without any explanation – that would be the kind of thing that we would say, and you know, when did this when did this occur? Why did this occur? If there's no other injury, if there's no other explanation, but their time is gradually getting worse, that's the kind of thing that, to me, sort of can signal some degree of disability progression. Now, so when you're assessing progression in a patient, uh, what are your criteria? Uh, what are your benchmarks that you're using? Yeah, so that's a great question, and this remains a major challenge in the MS world because um, you know it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to ascertain. Uh, progression often happens, you know, decades into someone's journey with MS, and so you know they by this point in time, often you know patients have had numerous relapses. Um, they might be a bit older in their 40s or 50s. That's not to say, you know, I'm in my 40s. That's not old. Uh, but they, you know, certainly in, in midlife, you can start to have other things like, you know, orthopedic injuries and, and you know, just some wear and tear arthritis and, and these kinds of things that, that can make this even more difficult to, to tease out. What I put a lot of stock in is really, you know, trying to, to clarify with the patient, um, you know, essentially when it happened, if there's a, a clear time onset, if there are confounders, like I was saying with an orthopedic injury. Um, but really, it's, I think the, the, the best way to do this is through good clinical assessments. So taking a good history to try and tease out what exactly the patient is experiencing in terms of progression. 
Is this, you know, more cognitive difficulties? Are they having more difficulty concentrating and multitasking? It was short-term memory, which are all very common things uh, in MS progression. Are they having more difficulties with balance and, and physical endurance? You know, are they less able to do, you know, uh, physically challenging activities before? You know, some patients will say, look, I used to clean my whole house in one day. And now I, I do it in, you know, over two days because I, I'm just wiped out after, you know, doing the, the, the basement or the first floor or even the kitchen. These kinds of things sometimes can be very powerful clues. One of the things we are lacking in terms of, of identifying disability is, is very clear criteria uh, and, mm -hmm. and even biomarkers. So, you know, we have the MRI, which is a very useful tool um, to identify new lesions and, and like the you know, the, the relapse biology, the early inflammatory biology, the MRI is, is very reliable for that, but we don't have very good tools to identify um, disability progression. There are some potential biomarkers, something called serum neurofilament, which is a blood test that's being looked at now that may be a helpful add-on, uh, but for the time being, I think identifying progression really comes down to a good history and a good neurological exam um, between doctor and patient. An MRI, I guess, isn't as useful in this context? Yeah, so unfortunately, um, the MRI, the, the changes uh, biologically that are underpinning the, the progression, so as we were talking before about neurodegeneration, those things aren't readily detectable using the, the types of clinical MRI sequences uh, that we use routinely in, in MS, clinics, uh, MS clinic settings. So, you know, the MRI can still be helpful in terms of excluding other causes. So again, to give you an example, if I'm seeing someone who's experienced a significant worsening in, in their function over the last, you know, six months or 12 months, um, I'm gonna do the MRI still because what I wanna see is if there's no new lesions to account for that worsening, then, it's going to sort of give me greater confidence that this is probably related to progression and not a subtle relapse that, that left the patient with these residual deficits. So the MRI is still useful in, I guess, eliminating other causes, but you can't necessarily see the changes that cause progression on an MRI scan. You're pretty heavily reliant, I guess, on what people are telling you, um, the, the symptoms and so on, their experiences, uh, their activities in daily life, uh, how, how well they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, again, um, good, a good line of communication between doctor and patient is, is, you know, the best way to kind of get at some of these subtleties. You know, the, the kinds of questions I ask my patients are, you know, have they had any um, any new symptoms uh, or any new attacks, uh, because that, that would obviously point to more of the inflammatory biology and less the progression biology. But, you know, if someone comes in and tells me, you know, look, I, I haven't had anything new, but all my old symptoms are slowly getting worse. And then, you know, the typical kinds of symptoms could be, you know, feeling more tired, uh, so not having as much endurance, you know, feeling that by the end of the day, they're completely wiped out and, and, you know, they can't previously, you know, I used to walk the dog after dinner. Now I can't walk the dog or, 
you know, I, I, I used to uh, be able to clean my house, uh, as I was saying, and, you know, in one day, and now I have to do it over three days, because, you know, after I'm done with the kitchen, I need to rest for half an hour. Um, patients may also complain of cognitive difficulties, so difficulties particularly with multitasking, uh, concentrating on a task or switching tasks, or, or having short-term memory. So, um, you know, now these things don't always indicate MS progression, because I think all of us at some point in time have felt, you know, really exhausted after a busy day. Um, even if you don't have MS, I think that that's a pretty common experience uh, for, for, for many of us, especially during the pandemic. Or, you know, um, I'm sure we've all also had the experience of walking into a room and forgetting why we went into the room and what we were looking for. Uh, but, you know, if these are, if these are happening routinely and, and slowly getting worse over time, you know, that is something that, that, would, I, I think, raise some concern and the patient should bring up with their physician. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, when we do a neurological exam on patients, we can sometimes tease out some subtle changes too, like, you know, maybe a limb is a bit weaker, maybe the sensation is a little bit less good, maybe the balance is less good than before. And, and those can be other clues to corroborate whether someone's progressing or not. Now, do you look at things like uh, employment, for example? So, Maybe somebody's finding that they're having difficulties. You mentioned multitasking, multitasking in their job. Do you look at things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, the impact on their daily life um, is, is very important. So, A, I mean, that's important in terms of, of maintaining someone's function and well-being. So, so that's, you know, a clinical goal uh, of us. Uh, you know, as neurologists to try and help maintain people functioning as well as they can. But, you know, in, in the same vein, if, if someone is struggling doing their, their activities of daily life that they previously did with ease, that, that's an important clue. Um, so, you know, if they can no longer work full time, if they're making mistakes at work or if they can't follow, you know, conversations at meetings or if they can't stand or go upstairs or, you know, any, any way in which their function is being impacted, it, it could be an important clue about progression and something that, you know, they should bring up with their physician when, uh, when they see them at the next visit. Now, now often these people are taking a disease-modifying therapy. Um, so if you see progression, does that mean their, their medication isn't working? Um, what advice do you give? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. So unfortunately, most of the therapies we have uh, approved in MS are primarily targeting the relapse biology, so the attacks and the new focal MRI lesions. We now do have a therapy both for primary progressive MS as well as a more recently approved one that seems to also slow down secondary progressive MS. So, you know, if I'm seeing a patient who's not, uh, who, excuse me, who is taking a disease-modifying therapy and they're not having any relapses or any new MRI lesions, but they're still having this clinical worsening that we're, we're attributing to progression, and there are a few therapeutic options that we can look at switching the patient to. And again, you know, with respect to expectations, unfortunately, even uh, these new Therapies that that target progression are, are not going to um, not going to reverse it, and and unfortunately can't even stop it from evolving further. 
what they have shown in clinical trials is that they can slow the progression. Um, so, you know, when I'm seeing patients in the clinic and talking to them about switching to one of these disease-modifying therapies that may impact progression, I, I always make it my business to, to really set their expectations that this is not a cure, this is not something that's going to reverse the deficits they have. Uh, unfortunately, this is something that may only slow down uh, the, the progression and, and slow down the rate of worsening. Uh, but still, there's value in that, and, and hopefully that will help patients um, better manage their symptoms. And, and I should add, you know, if someone's having difficulty with their functioning at work or at home, again, you know, there's the, the medical side of things where we recommend medications to help slow the disease down or deal with the symptoms. But I think there's also lifestyle adjustments that are important here, and that may mean, you know, changing the way you do things, uh, maybe, you know, going to a, a different work schedule, maybe a part-time work schedule, or maybe even stopping work um, to better accommodate uh, your symptoms and, and live uh, within uh, what you're capable of, of doing. That's terrific. That's, that's very helpful. Uh, thank you, Dr. Giacometti. Uh, you can listen to Dr. Paul Giacometti, Director of the MS Clinic at the Montreal Neurological Institute, talking about disease activity and progression. To learn more about progression and what you can do, be sure to tune into the other episodes we have. We hope you've enjoyed the program. For MSology, I'm Stephen Manners.